0: All right, you ready to read some scripture today? We're talking about the the man born blind this morning. And uh, as you recall, uh, we are in the Gospel of John. And here's why the book was written. It was written so that you may believe that Jesus is Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So why would we spend so much time on, on the Gospel of John? Because I believe it has tools for us today. You know, not just the pastor is the one that's sharing Jesus, not just the missionaries, but it's every one of us have the gift of reconciliation. We have the call to witness, to share, to, to give testimony of what Jesus has done in our lives. And, and the Gospel of John gives us so many of those tools. So today I just want to encourage you um, to, to listen to this story today. And, and certainly, I hope that this story inspires you. I hope you find yourself in the story. But I also believe it's a tool for you to share with someone else. Wow, that'd be a great challenge this week, to share this story with someone, the man born blind. It's so relevant for today. So I encourage you to, to do that. Uh, this morning, uh, we're actually going to pause that video, Amber, um, I want to uh, just share with you, um, I, at a time in my life, it was, I was, I, I don't know, maybe a young teenager, and we used to have these big burning barrels. You guys remember the burning barrels, where you'd put, just put whatever you wanted in the burning barrels, and, and I put, we put whatever in the burning barrels, and they were burning, but ash would fly everywhere, and I remember one time, um, one of those ash cinders got in my eye, burned my eye. And so they took me to the hospital, and, and they, you know, put the gel in or whatever, and they took the scans, and they looked at my eye, and they're like, eh. And so they had to put a patch on my eye, but the problem is I kept looking with my other eye, and so it would force my right eye to look. And so they, they actually put two bandages over my eye, and so for several days, I was blind. And I... We all know our house pretty much. If we've lived there for any length of time, we can pretty much walk around and we can turn on the lights. We know where they're at. uh, But for some reason, I got lost in my own house. I I didn't know where I was. I I ended up in this small, like, cubby place. I felt like I had gone in the closet and journeyed to Narnia. I didn't know where I was. And it it just so threw me. And I got stuck there. And I remember even having to call out, hey, (laughs) I'm stuck. I didn't know where I was, I was blind. And this morning we're gonna be talking about the man born blind. And as we talk about this, I want you to understand that the man born blind was given a great gift. Have you ever been given a gift that was so good and so amazing, you you just couldn't believe that you got it? That's what happened to the man born blind. And I wanna just show for you an example of someone that was given a gift, and we're gonna show it on the video here, Someone that was given a gift, and they were blown away by it. As a matter of fact, this first person, when you see them get the gift before, and, and the audio's not great on it, but what he says is, you know, I, I'm not an emotional person, so I'm not going to show any emotion, so I hope that's okay with you. That's what he said. So let's go ahead with that context and show the video. Okay. I just want to see how well they work. Right. One, two, three. All right, so what, if, what do you have to do? It takes time to adjust. He's colorblind, never seen color. He was given glasses that allow him to see color for the first time. It's totally different. But he's not going to get emotional. <laughs> Holy smokes, huh? (laughs) (laughs) He thinks he's getting sunglasses. Colorblind. Given a gift. Can you see my shirt? Okay. Wow, talk about a gift that you've been given that changes your life. You know, this morning, um, I want to just encourage you to, as we tell the story of the man born blind, we're going to be in John chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 1, go all the way through 39. We're going to read the whole story. I want to just ask you to, to step into the place of the blind man. Put yourself in his place. It says, as he went along, this is Jesus, he saw a man that was blind from birth. Now, I want to, before we move on, you're like, Steve, you're only in verse 1 and you're already making commentary here. It's going to be a long day. But listen to this. I want to give you a little bit of context Later on, you're going to discover that this man who was born blind was a beggar, and it says that he sat and he begged. And we find Jesus in Jerusalem, and this man is more than likely because uh, many beggars gathered to Jerusalem, and the reason that they did that is because begging, begging was common in Jerusalem, And it had lots of beggars. And the reason that so many beggars would go to Jerusalem was twofold. First was that in Jerusalem, people were known to give to the poor. Because it showed their righteousness if you were to give to the poor. So if you were a beggar, if you were someone that needed to beg, you wanted to go to a place where you knew that you were going to receive money. Not only that... Begging was concentrated around religious sites like the temple, which is more than likely where this man was. And the reason for that was this, because the religious leaders, when they came to the temple, they would find beggars and they would drop money into the beggars' tins. And the reason that they would do this as recorded in the gospel is so that their good works could be seen by men. So imagine that this beggar has chosen the perfect place to beg. He was born blind. He's been begging for a long time, and he's probably in front of the temple. The religious leaders have already come by, and he's already put out his hand, and he's already received the money from the religious leaders. And Ironically, the religious leaders believed that either this man sinned or his parents sinned, and that's why he was blind. So on one hand, he had to beg from people that looked down upon him to live. Can you imagine what he must have felt about these religious leaders? It's very possible this man even felt, Shame that these people who looked down upon him, he was actually, by begging, making them look more righteous. I'm sure there were conflicting feelings and emotions that he had to deal with with these religious leaders. But he heard about a man named Jesus. And so. The religious leaders walk by, he gets his money, and then all of a sudden his disciples asked him, okay, now there's a new entourage showing up, and the blind man, he can't see, but maybe he hears commotion around him, and the disciples ask him, they ask Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Can you imagine the blind man sitting there, already feeling shamed and used by the religious leaders? And now he hears, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And he's like, here we go again. I'm a sinner. I know. I get it. Feeling the shame. Waiting for what this man Jesus might say, another religious leader. But here's what Jesus says. Neither this man nor his parents sinned said Jesus. What is that blind man thinking now? Wait a minute. That's not like what the other religious leaders have always said. No, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happens so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world I am the light of the world. So here was a man living in darkness, blind from birth, and the light of the world was right in front of him. And then after saying this, imagine you're the man born blind. All you can hear is the commotion, the words, and all of a sudden you hear someone spit on the ground in front of you. Maybe you even feel the spittle coming up at you. What is he thinking? Am I going to be humiliated again? And then Jesus, it says, took his saliva and mud, and they put it on the man's eyes. Can you even imagine? You're the man born blind, You've been humiliated all your life. You're a sinner. The religious leaders have used you to make themselves look good. And now Jesus spits on the ground, and he puts that spit with mud, and he puts it on your eyes. And then he says, go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed. There he is sitting. Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sinned, which was probably the first time he felt any dignity. And then this man spits on the ground and rubs mud in his eyes, and he says, go to the place called Sent. And so this man gets up, and he's walking, and he's blind, and he's trying to find the pool of Siloam. And he washed, and it says he came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, So get this, Jesus puts the mud on his eyes, he makes his way to the pool of Siloam, and he washes it off of his eyes, and he can see. And and imagine, he was born blind, he's never seen anything. He may be almost in a worse state now than he was when he was blind. Because he doesn't recognize anything. And yet he finds his way home. And his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said no. He only looks like him. But he said himself, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. He replied, The man that they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes, and he told me to go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and I washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. So they brought to the Pharisees the man who had been born blind. Let's let's recap. He was humiliated by the religious leaders. Jesus shows up. He's heard of him before. He spits on the ground, makes some mud, washes it into his eyes, says, go to the, the pool Siloam, meaning scent, and wash. He does. He finds his way home, and now his neighbors are there, and they meet him. And now it says they took him to the Pharisees. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He said, they put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Can you imagine the Pharisees now in conflict with each other? Then they Turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened, the man replied. He is a prophet. He's a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Remember, he went home. His neighbors took him to the Pharisees. Pharisees were divided, trying to figure out what was going on. This Jesus was working on the Sabbath. Division arose among them, and now they go get his parents, and they bring his parents here. Is this your son, they asked? Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. Maybe he was younger, maybe he was 19 or 20. Maybe the Pharisees, because maybe he wasn't at the age of accountability, went and got his parents. And now his parents are saying, No, 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 he is older than 18. You can ask him. In other words, we don't want to get involved in this. His parents are nervous, they've been brought before the the leaders, the religious leaders. They're part of a synagogue, they're part of a community, they're part of a religious order, and they're nervous. And they don't speak up for him, they let him speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. The synagogue was their way of life. It was where they gathered. It was where they fellowshiped. It was where they grew. It was where they, they, they loved each other, encouraged each other. The synagogue was their life. No one wanted to be put out of the synagogue. And yet these parents knew that if they spoke up for their son, they would be cast out. And so they kept quiet. That was why his parents said, he is of age ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Then they asked him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I have told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? He is goading them. Then they hurled insults at him, They, they, they slandered him. You are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. The man answered, Now, that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. Oh, now he's getting at them. He listens to the godly person who does his will. This is not making the Pharisees very happy. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. To this they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. They're going back to the the same old story. You're a sinner. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Translation, do you believe in the Messiah? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, You have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking to you now. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. The story of the man born blind. I want to talk about three results from encountering Jesus. Three results from encountering Jesus. If you're taking notes, write them down. Number one is belief. Very first thing is belief. Now, belief comes because Jesus initiates it. We don't initiate it. If you have become a follower of Jesus, and maybe today you're you're not there, but if you've become a follower of Jesus, you might mistakenly think that you initiated it, but you didn't. It is Jesus who initiates grace. He's the one reaching out. All we can do is respond to the grace. And that's exactly what the blind man did. It says he responded in obedience because Jesus initiated with grace. How did he initiate with grace? Imagine the man and his view of religious leaders. We've already seen how they treated him and what they thought of him. And yet here comes Jesus and Jesus shows up on the scene And this man who has felt shame, he's been blind from birth, he feels dejected, he can't even go into the temple, there he is on the outside, in the margins, on the outskirts, an outsider, and the disciples say, is he a sinner, basically? And Jesus says, no, neither this man nor his parents have sinned. Grace, dignity. Right off the bat, Jesus initiates with grace. Who has sinned? Neither this man nor his parents, said Jesus. But this happened that the works of God might be displayed in him. Something's going to happen and God's going to get glory. Keep watching. And the disciples did, they kept watching. And it's so easy and tempting to try to live in worthy world instead of graceland. For all of us, it's so easy to try to earn grace, to try to get grace by doing so good. And that's what the Pharisees mistakenly thought. They thought they were righteous because they kept all these commandments. And the ironic thing about it is they were the ones that were blind, They were the ones that were blind, and it was this man, born blind, who would eventually see. And the Pharisees were blind because they mistakenly thought that they could live good enough to be accepted by God. And yet, it is only grace and grace alone that we are saved I love what Charles Spurgeon says. Grace puts its hand on the boasting mouth and shuts it once and for all. Wow, what a line. None of us can boast that we've lived good enough. Oh, here's what we can do. We can point out other people's weaknesses. Weaknesses that are different than our weaknesses. Weaknesses. And we can make them look bad, and we can put them down, and we can talk about them. But you know what? We are just as guilty. None of us can earn grace. None of us. It is a free gift. In Germany, Auschwitz, which was a Nazi concentration camp in which over a million Jews lost their lives, when you went into this concentration camp there was there were some german words on a sign before you went through the gate arbeit macht frei and it meant in english work will make you free so when these prisoners walked in and they saw this sign arbeit macht frei work will make you free. They mistakenly believed that if they worked hard enough in these concentration camps, they would be set free. And so they went in and they worked and literally, literally broke their backs trying to work enough to be freed. Trying to outdo each other, trying to outwork each other, Putting in the time, sweat, broken bones, cuts, bruises, even death. And yet it was all a lie. None of them, none of them were ever set free by working hard enough. And the true, it is true for all of us. None of us will ever be set free by working hard enough. Grace is a gift that is given for free. Even though Jesus paid for it with his very life, he gave up everything. And it's so easy for us to fall into that trap that we can earn God's grace. But when we do that, we become just like the religious leaders. We think that we are, of course, better than others because we're living so holy. Holy. And yet, when we look at Jesus, we fall short every single time. We are a son or daughter, not by worth, but by birth. In John chapter 3, Jesus made it very clear to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Nicodemus trusted in his Jewish heritage to save him. He trusted in who he was as a religious leader and obeying all the commands. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Let it all go. Trust in me. You must be born again. And it is true for the man born blind and it is also true for us. Religion says, I obey, therefore I am accepted. But Christianity says, I am accepted, therefore I obey. I don't know about you, but when when you first believed and you first knew that Jesus forgave you and you first felt his grace, when I first felt that, I knew at that moment I wanted to spend the rest of my life serving him. Because I knew in that moment I could never earn it. I could never deserve it. I could never be worthy enough on my own and yet Jesus bled and died and suffered and took my place, all my sin upon him because he loved me. And when I knew that great love, when when I felt that great love, I said, you have my whole life. Take it, it's yours. The very first result for this man born blind Was he believed? He believed in Jesus. The blind man's faith was it was progressive. He initially only knew Jesus because of his reputation. Remember, it says the man that they called Jesus, he didn't even know who he was. He just heard his name before. He had a reputation. The man that they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes, and he told me to go wash in the pool Siloam. So I went and washed. And then I could see he only knew him by his reputation. And maybe that's like some of you here today or some of you watching online or listening to a podcast. Maybe you've just heard of Jesus, but it's a start. It's a start. It's a a starting point. That's where we begin. We start hearing the story of Jesus, and it changes us. And maybe a friend invited you. Maybe you're at a a house with someone, and they said, hey, come over. We're going to have church in our living room. And for the first time you're hearing about this Jesus, understand that faith, it is progressive, and it was for this blind man. And then it says he believed that Jesus was a prophet. Then he said, oh, he's he's a, a prophet, because how could he do these things if he wasn't sent from God? He's a messenger from God. He's a prophet. And again, like so many of us, we maybe have heard about Jesus, but then all of a sudden we start feeling his presence, maybe as we worship today, and you've heard of Jesus, but you've never trusted him as your Savior. But when we worship today, you felt something. You knew that there was something to this. And you felt it in your heart and your spirit. That's what happened with the blind man. He he knew him only by reputation, and then he said, no, no, no. There's something to this Jesus. I don't have it all figured out yet. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed, and now I see some of this. Pharisees said, this man is not from God. He does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes, he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. I know he's from God. I know it. Some of you are discovering as I'm talking this morning and as you heard worship and and you're encountering Jesus and you're feeling something in your heart, you know that there's something to it. That's God reaching out to you. It's his Holy Spirit touching you. That's what you're feeling. And a prophet was a spokesman from God. That's what a prophet was. And he knew that this man was speaking from God. But then he knew Jesus as the Messiah. He knew him as the Savior. And that's where we all need to end up, in that very same place. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Son of man was a reference for the Messiah, the one that was coming to save. Jesus says, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. That's, he came to faith. He came to trust Jesus as his savior. He took the final step. He's not a, just a person I've heard about. He's not just a prophet. No, Jesus is God. He is the Messiah. He is God come in the flesh to dwell among us. He received it. He finally accepted it. And maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you are here today or watching or listening And you have never trusted Jesus as your Savior, the one that heals the blind, the one that opens their eyes. You see, this man was born blind. And it's symbolic because we are also born sinners. We are born blind. And then what did Jesus do? He put mud on his eyes. You might say he put the earth on. World on his eyes. Not only are we born blind, but we're born into worldliness. We're born into this world of sin. And then he says, Go to the pool called Sent. Well, that's code for Jesus. That pool of Siloam means Sent. John, more than any other book in the Bible, describes Jesus as the one who was sent. You see, this pool is symbolizing Jesus. And he says, go there and wash. What it's saying is you were born into sin, you were born separated from God, you were born into worldliness, but you, if you put your trust in me, if you take that step and get into that water and wash, you will be You will be healed. And that is symbolic of Jesus forgiving all of our sins and washing the world off of us. Wherever you're at, would you just bow your heads for a moment? Wherever you're at, if what I am saying is resonating with you, if in your heart you feel God speaking to you, that you were born separated from God. And I don't need to tell you that. You know that you've failed, you've lied, you've cheated, you've stealed. you've lusted, you've had greed. That's called sin. And sin separates us from a holy, righteous God. But God so loved the world that he sent Jesus to dwell among us, to live a perfect, righteous life that we could never live and then ultimately to die for us. Ah, that's Jesus. He loves you so much that he spread out his arms, endured the cross, taking all of your sin upon himself, and he died for you. And this morning, if you want to receive that, receive his grace, not because you're good enough, but because you're not. And you want to receive that grace today, I'm going to ask you to just do something in a moment. I'm going to ask you to just slip your hand up and then down, wherever you're at, whether you're home or whether you're here, and I'm going to pray for you. And you are going to be forgiven of all of your sins. So if that's you today, just slip up your hand up and then down. Right on. Anyone else? Right on. Anyone else want to make that decision today? At home, if you're there, slip your hand up and then down. I believe there's something powerful about doing it outside because it makes it feel real inside. And I would just invite everyone to pray this prayer with me. Probably four or five in this room and others maybe online have said this morning that they want to receive Jesus. So would you pray this prayer with me? Jesus, go ahead and say it out loud. Jesus, I receive your gift today. I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness. Thank you for saving me from my sin. I put my trust in you and receive you as my Savior and also my Lord. And now I give you my life. It is your life. And I will live it for eternity for you. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. And you know, it's okay to clap right now for everyone that made that commitment. Way to go. If you made that commitment online, say, I believe, and just put it in the chat there, and and, uh, we'd love to get a hold of you. I'm so, so thankful that you responded to Jesus today. Number two, this blind man not only believed, but it says he became bold. There's something about receiving Jesus' grace, receiving His miracle, receiving His gift, His presence, that it makes us bold. I mean, it, is allow- it has allowed me to stand up in front of you on a weekly basis. I wouldn't do this in my flesh, but because of Jesus, I can be bold, and because of Jesus, you can be bold. Jesus will ask us to follow into some pretty impossible places. He will. I believe that even this week, as a result of this message, you will be asked to be bold. You will be asked to speak out for Jesus this week, to stand up for him, to speak not only truth but grace to people. Be ready to do it. Look for opportunities. This is what he said. He says, I don't know much, but this I know. I once was blind, but now I see. First Peter says, be ready at all times to answer anyone who asks you to explain the hope that you have. You see, there is something you have that I don't have. There is something you have that the person sitting next to you doesn't have. There is something you have at home that none of us in this room have, and that's your own personal testimony. Your testimony is different than my testimony. And your testimony is valuable. And it says in the Bible that the way we overcome the enemy is through the word of our testimony and that we love our lives even unto death. We we're willing to give up everything to follow Jesus. That's bold. And isn't it interesting that he healed this man, and this man had the courage to stand up to the religious leaders. Here's a man that was on the bottom of the totem pole, shamed, sinful, separated, couldn't even walk into the temple, was an outcast, and yet because of his encounter with Jesus, he stood up to the strongest, most powerful, most influential people of the day. He stood up to them. And God excels at asking you to do the impossible so that he can show up. Did you hear that? God excels at asking you to do the impossible so that he can show up. So I want you to be open to whatever that might be. Because, see, you can share scripture, and we should, but you know what can never be argued is your testimony, your testimony. How could someone argue your testimony? Just this week, I was in the gym, and uh, someone was asking me, I don't know about my past, and somehow it came up that I was in a car accident, and um, I said, yeah, I was in a pretty bad car accident. My car rolled like 16 times, and, and uh, my knee snapped, and and i my uh anterior and my posterior cruciate were both uh torn my medial and my lateral were both torn my posterior was severed in half and and this person said well how is it that you're able to work out and i said well let me tell you i said The doctors took my leg. As a matter of fact, several doctors came in so they could watch my leg bend at the middle like this. And they just, and then they looked at me and they said, you'll never do any kind of pivoting sport again probably your whole life. The problem is they never consulted Jesus about that. And it wasn't a few weeks later that my pastor at the time, Bill Jackson, came over And he laid his hands on my knee. And, of course, I had this big old cast going all the way up my leg. But when he laid his hands on my knee, I felt something. Something got hot. And it wasn't, you know, pizza from the night before. There was something happening in my leg. And I believe in that moment God healed my leg. It wasn't a couple weeks after that that I won a racquetball tournament. But that's Jesus. He did that for me. Now, that's my story. That's my testimony. What's your testimony? Your testimony is just as powerful, and there's someone that needs to hear it. And God wants you to be bold enough to share it. Just like this man born blind, you have a story. Allow the boldness of God to stir up in you and be willing to share whatever that may be. Just tell your story. God will work through your story, and and here's the thing. Now, I don't what this person does with my testimony. That's between them and the Lord. It's not up to me for the results. That's up to God. God initiates. I just need to be obedient. That's where all of us stand. God will take what you give. He'll take your few fish and few loaves, and He will multiply it. You know, in in my hand. Um, A few fish and few loaves, that's all they're going to be. They're going to be a, you know, a captain cod, kitty pack. But in God's hand, they're going to feed thousands. Just give him your hands. Let him take it, and he'll run with it. And then finally, belief, boldness, and belonging. Um, Worship team, you can come on up. Belonging. uh, Belonging. This is so powerful, you guys. This is my favorite part of the story. My favorite part of the story is this. To this, and this is the religious leaders, to this they replied, you, and they're pointing their bony fingers at this man born blind, and they're saying, you were steeped in sin from birth. Steeped, not just you're a sinner, you were born in a sloth, in a pool, in a cesspool of sin. How dare you lecture us? And then they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. That is the line I love right there. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. Where was Jesus? What was he doing? Where was he and his disciples at and what were they doing where Jesus was somehow made aware of the fact, hey, you know that guy you healed this morning? <laughs> they drug him before the Pharisees. Jesus, oh, they did. Yeah, and they grilled him. But he stood up to Well, What happened? They threw him out. What? They threw him out. When Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, he went And he found him. (sighs) That's my story. I felt thrown out as a teenager. I felt thrown out. I felt like an outcast. I felt like I was on the outskirts. Always on the outside looking in. And then Jesus found me. Can you imagine the blind man now, he may not even know what Jesus looks like because, remember, he was blind and had Jesus spit and mud on his eyes when he went and washed in the pool of Siloam. So he had never actually seen Jesus. He had only heard him. And so here he is. Now he's, he can see, and he's trying to figure out all this new landscape that he's looking at. And this man walks up to him, and he says, I heard you were thrown out. And he recognizes his voice. He went and he found him. And Jesus says, Do you believe in the Messiah? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Everyone was waiting for the Messiah. Everyone was on pins and needles, waiting for the Savior of the world to come. And Jesus says, You have now seen him. Remember, he was blind. You have now seen him. In fact, It's me. The man then said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Here's a man that was on the outside, but he was found. Think about it. He was blind, went home, and when he went home, it was really not home to him because his neighbors were there waiting for him, remember? And what did they do? What did the neighbors do? The neighbors took him to the Pharisees. So even at his home, it wasn't really home. The surroundings of his home, the neighbors became adversaries to him. They took him to the religious leaders, the one who should be dispensing grace, and they condemned him, and they cast him out. And then his very own parents show up and they refuse to defend their own son. So here's a man whose whole community has turned their back on him. The religious leaders who should be dispensing grace were withholding grace. And then his very own blood, his very own parents refuse to defend him. Can you imagine that? Some of you, maybe you can, sadly that's how he felt. He was cast out. But then Jesus showed up. He searched him out and he found him. And that's what he wants to do to all those who are cast out. Church, Christ Center, this is a place where you can invite your unsaved friends. This is a place where people will see the grace of God. This is a place where if you're on the outskirts, you are going to feel loved. We have to remember that our call as a church is to reach people for Jesus and to disciple them, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus commanded, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But it starts with loving them, And it starts with creating a space where they can feel like they belong again. Where they're unconditionally loved. And that's the best way to live. You know, there's a story. Philip Yancey wrote a book entitled The Jesus I Never Knew. It's an incredible book. And there's a story in this book, and I want to read it for you as we conclude today. He starts off by saying, I heard this story from a friend of mine who works with a down and out in Chicago. A prostitute came to me in wretched straits, homeless, sick, unable to buy food for her two-year-old daughter. Through to- sobs and tears, She told me she had been renting out her daughter, two years old, to men interested in kinky sex. She made more renting out her daughter for an hour than she could earn in a whole night. She had to do it. She said it was to support her drug habit. I could hardly bear hearing the sordid story For one thing, it made me legally liable I'm required to report such cases of child abuse. I had no idea what to say to this woman. At last, I asked her if she ever thought about going to a church for help. I will never forget the look of pure, naive shock that crossed her face. Church, she replied. Why would I ever go to a church I'm already feeling terrible about myself That only make me feel worse what struck me about my friend's story is that woman much like this prostitute fled toward Jesus not away from him you see the the women that Jesus encountered whether it was the woman caught in adultery or others were drawn to Jesus the worse a person felt about herself the more likely she saw Jesus as a place of refuge has the church lost that gift evidently the down and out who flocked to Jesus when he lived on earth no longer feels welcome among his followers I ask myself this question. What if that woman found this church? What if she found Christ's sin? You see, by the way, all of us are sinners saved by grace. All of us. What could it have been like for her and more importantly for her child if she felt like she could walk through these doors. Church, we are Jesus ambassadors, as if he is pleading through us. So can we, could we church, be a church that loves unconditionally? Let's do what Jesus did with a man born blind, and let's create a place where people feel like they're loved and that they belong. And let us love them unconditionally. Would you just stand with me? Through many dangers, toils and snares I have already come. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far and grace will lead me home. God takes our broken pieces and he makes them whole again. It is grace that leads us home. As we close today and we worship, let us commit to be people that create belonging and unconditional love. Where the world feels like they can come to us because we have the answers to life and his name is Jesus. God, would you use us today? Thank you that grace always leads us home. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray.